This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I am joined by my comrades at On the Bench slash Knowles 24-7 slash 24-7 Sports slash CBS Sports slash... Hello. Hi, Dane. Hello. How's it going, Brendan? I'm doing great, Dane. Great to see you again. It's been a really long time, like an hour. Chris, same to see you uh, again so recently. Very nice. A lot has happened since we saw each other. Very little, very little. And Zachary, hope all is well in the nine five nine five four. So we got a a relatively full bench here today for a special episode. We're dusting off the mailbag. Mailbag? What's that? Yep. Yeah, that was good. That was a good amount of volume without blowing out the speakers like your Chris knees. That was good. Nice. We got a mailbag episode of On the Bench. Uh, we we had a bunch of polls twenty four seven subscribers. Uh, throw a bunch of questions at us. I'm going to try to get through a, a good amount of them. It was a three pages last I checked. I can't promise we're going to do all, but a, a good amount is the goal here. want to give a shout out to the sponsor of our podcast, Chattanooga Whiskey. Uh, we re- re-upped with them through the remainder of the year. Uh, you guys have shown amazing support to a really high-end whiskey. Uh, they are doing a great job in the craft distillery game. Killing it uh, with their 111 proof bourbon uh their entry-level bourbons a really nice like if you're trying to get into it highly recommended their rise awesome chris got into their founders 11 year anniversary edition one and i think he drank the whole bottle in one day so not the entire bottle about half of it though half the bottle so chattanooga whiskey all over the place throughout the southeast if you're in the state of florida go to abc go to total wine you can order on sealbacks go to your local shop support local uh, if you're ever up in Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Chattanooga oh boy, um, you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and, and check out their distillery. Uh, they do a lot of cool stuff there and the tasting and um, it's just it's, it's a really cool setup there. Chattanooga itself is a cool town. So Chattanooga Whiskey doing a great job. Also on the bench is brought to you by football coach College Dynasty. Uh, Zach, I'll get an update on your dynasty in a second here, but. Let's explain what it is. The video game is a 95% positive rating on stream. Football Coach College Dynasty is the ultimate college football management game for PC. Be a coach and create game plans, call plays, recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. Featuring every everything you love about college football, including conference realignment, school boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and even NIL. Might be the best part of the game, to be honest. Uh, football Coach College Football Dynasty or excuse me, Football Coach College Dynasty is available now on stream for 11 Steam, Steam, Steam. not stream. Easy for you to say. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a quick update. Um, I want to hear your guys' experiences with the game. Like, I'm talking to the viewers. Um, so if you guys want to post it on our board or, or in the YouTube comments or on Twitter, whatever, at me, um, let me know how you guys are liking it. But um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm like 15 seasons in with Tulane right now. And finally won my first national championship, um, which, you know, doesn't seem too good, obviously. But but there's a lot of grind that goes into it, which I think is the most fun part about the game. I'm still trying to teach Brendan how to play. Um, he thinks he's going to drop all his NIL bag on on one high school recruit. Um, good thing he's not in charge of the battles then. But uh, Sorry, I believe in developing high school players on like some people. Anyway, but I think, uh, no, I, football coach college dynasty is an awesome game. Um Hope you guys can try it on Steam, not Stream. Steam. People will figure it out. That's fine. They just need to know that it's Football Coach College Dynasty. Uh, and then also, we're brought to you by the Turner Group. The Turner Group. We'll give a little bit more to love, a little bit more love to them. And Jesus, I am struggling uh, in a little bit. Maybe you here. should drink. 
a, I just opened up a beer uh, to celebrate because it's like a Friday <laughs> evening on a Thursday evening for us, but I haven't really had a sip yet. So that's not the excuse. I'm just tired and getting old, guys. It's been a long week. Uh, we're about to play a lot of Byers Snow as part of this mailbag episode. Let's get into it. J-Rod31 starts us off with a little buttering up of, of yours truly. Brendan, you're such a good person with the perfect blinking technique. Okay, now for the real part. And so that part wasn't real, I guess. Uh, what would you what would be considered an underwhelming year this season for Florida State? Uh, Chris, start start off with you here. Let's talk a little bit about expectations for the Seminoles. What is realistic? What's underwhelming? Am I blinking enough? Underwhelming to me would probably be single digit victories in a regular season. So nine or nine or fewer. Yeah. Yeah. Across the board, are we all? That's how I feel. Are we all on the same page? Yeah. Can't go, yeah. Can't go less than ten. Yeah, and It'll... Vegas has it set at nine and a half. So, like, I think that's totally realistic. I'm with you guys. Uh, we'll talk about more expectations and a lot more on this team uh, coming up uh, in this episode. And then also we have our team preview podcast set for Sunday evening, where we'll have uh, basically the entire Knowles 24/7 staff together to to preview the season, do win totals, that kind of stuff. New Dynasty Knowles asks, "What's more likely, FSU wins the ACC or signs Jeremiah Smith?" Zach, I will throw this to you. Dang, that's a good one. Um, it was it, it, it a good one. It makes you think a little bit. Wins the ACC. I mean, like, they're almost equal in my mind. I mean, I kind of feel really good about Jeremiah Smith right now. Um, I'll go Jeremiah Smith. I'll go wins the ACC. Yeah, I'm going to go wins the ACC, too. I think wins ACC gets you Jeremiah Smith. How about that? Yeah, that's like if we if you do that, then I think you get him. Um, but even even then, I I don't know. I mean, I feel pretty good about that recruitment right now. Because you're doing good work there. Uh, Scranton Knoll, the Electric City, is Coach AB the Delaware Chicken guy? I cannot confirm or deny that. He is a guy from Delaware who has something to do with chicken. He runs a chicken farm in Delaware. He is literally a chicken farmer in Delaware. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's put our serious hats on for a second. This is Kev from Puerto. Uh, how often do schools leverage local media to push a specific narrative? I remember going into Willie's second season. We had a huge ESPN piece on the rise and fall of Jimbo at FSU and how it was painted to not be Willie's fault necessarily. Are these PR blitzes the norm or does it cross a line when it becomes a recruiting pitch? So I've had a little bit of time to, because I've read this question, I put it in the in the thread here and uh, I'll let you guys kind of simmer on it for a second as I, I ramble here. Uh, the first thing I can think of with the ESPN piece, like, yeah, I gave Willie some leeway going into year two with, with Willie, but it, it did explain um, why the, why the program was the way it was. And there was enough blame to go around. And that was my big takeaway from that story. But I do remember like going or go well into year two of the Willie Taggart tenure, the final year of the Willie Taggart tenure after the Wake Forest game, that was the game where Chris and I reported uh, that play calling was taken away from Kendall Bryles that week. That was a huge issue for boosters and, and people paying money to bring Kendall Bryles in. Uh, it signaled a departure from a plan at the start of the year. It pictured um, or depicted panic by Willie Taggart and Florida State lost that game. And then Berg came in with a, a monster report saying that there were talks about pooling money together. Uh, for if things did not work out with Willie Taggart, FSU had an exit strategy. We got pushback at that time. Uh, and in addition to that pushback, uh, there was a writer. I can't remember what publication it was with. I don't want to say the wrong one. I, I think I remember, but I don't know entirely. Um, came, flew across the country. He was someone who had covered Willie at Oregon and had basically wrote a fluff piece to talk about all the challenges Willie was enduring in that year and had all access and I had been on Twitter being very defensive of Willie Taggart and acting like he wasn't getting a fair shake. FSU won that week against Syracuse, I think. The next week was Miami at home. Did not go very well. And Willie Taggart was fired that next Sunday. So I'm saying all that was like, there are times when the media, either national, local, um, someone you have a relationship with from a previous stop is very much so used to get a point across. Speaking from like my own perspective, there are times when, yeah, we trade information with sources and that's part of the balancing act that we have to do covering a team site like that. That is, that's a thing. And, and you have to weigh like, is it worth it? What's reasonable? What's ethical? 
Are you getting enough of a trade back there to provide accurate and interesting comment? I think when a line is crossed is when you're putting out stuff that you know isn't 100% accurate or you don't make an attempt to tell a full story or it's not put out in good faith. I think that's when it becomes problematic. Um, and so that's something you have to be able, and we all are going to have different like moral arbiters and different bosses and different outlets are going to have different judges of, of what's okay. Um, but to me, that's like when you start impacting a recruitment or you start impacting uh, the direction of what you're covering so profoundly and directly by what you're putting out and you're admitting that it's not totally accurate or that it's not totally a full picture, that can become problematic. Uh, in my opinion, in my experience of 10 years or so doing this. So that's my thoughts. I don't know if you guys have anything you want to chime in with, Chris or Zach specifically, no offense, Dane. Um, but Chris, I'll, I guess I'll defer to you first because you're the, the veteran of the group. I mean, I'll keep it short. I, I think in this business, there's always a trading of information. Sometimes there are seeds being planted by each side. And sometimes those seeds grow into something more that you're going to write about. But when you're writing on any topic, I think you have to do an adequate amount of research. You have to paint the picture correctly it's not really about taking a side on a story as far as presenting you know context and information and allowing the reader kind of take it where they want to take it um yeah i just i don't i don't think it benefits anybody to get to a point where you kind of act as like a you know someone who's just pushing a narrative because you feel like that narrative should be pushed you know, and there can be overbearing circumstances regarding said narratives. I, I just don't think that benefits you. I don't think long term it's it's beneficial for anybody involved. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, but on the recruiting, the recruiting side of things, like I think, you know, if, if anything's written um, and, you know, I think a lot of times like you look at um, the climate of, of your own beat and if and if there's a push by the entire beat to put something out and it's not based on a quote or something a coach said and it seems you know to be something like that i think that's where i see a, a huge you know ethical dilemma um when it comes to that kind of reporting but yeah i mean because that's the kind of stuff that that can affect the recruitment um and if if it is weaponized then it's not uh, you know it's not something that that i uh, think is is acceptable yeah did you did you end up impacting a story rather than covering the story. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, there's a, a line, there's a balancing act to it. And it feels far muddier today than it was 10 years ago when I, when I first started doing this. And that's just, that's something we're always asking ourselves and are we doing it the right way? Um, and I'm happy that I have the coworkers I have because we're able to bounce things off of each other, ideas off of each other's moral quandaries off of each other. We Lord knows, yeah. I would say, Lord knows that that if I didn't have you guys, there, I would be getting myself into some trouble, especially early on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we may have to go edit some of this podcast out anyway. So even still, you're getting yourself in trouble without us. Uh, Doctor Heelsgood, who is the number one most wanted recruit in the 25 class? Zach. Dang, putting me on the spot. I'll say you're uh, the recruiting writer. Yeah, I'll say. I mean, it's next year's class. I'll say Armando Blunt. He's the number two defensive lineman in the entire country for next cycle. And I think FSU probably leads there right now, really early on for him because he's a 2025 guy, not going to sign for over a year, but Florida state's done an excellent job. Uh, Randy Shannon has a close relationship with um, Blunt and his mother, uh, because I think him and his uh, Blunt's mom and uh, Randy Shannon knew each other growing up. And that's allowed, you know, FSU to, to really cement themselves as a, strong player in this in his recruitment but there are a number of other guys i mean um if you look at our our targets list on on the site chris does a good job of updating that and that'll show you kind of where guys are at um when it comes to you know overall priority uh and, and ranking Do you yeah agree when, with that, Dane, or is there anyone else and then you can chime in chris if, if Dane doesn't have I, I would definitely agree it's blunt just based on the mutual interest there but also the stature of that recruitment i guess um or that prospect sure. and kind of what he could bring to FSU. Yeah. When you read the question, Blunt's first name that popped in my head, David Sanders, who's arguably the best player in the country. I think multiple services rank him as such, including 24 seven. Uh, the only other name I thought of was Jared Smith. I think Jared yeah. Smith's an absolutely phenomenal defensive end. I just think they've had on yeah. campus a few times and he's in that state that we won't mention because it gives people PTSD, but he's really talented. And FSU seems to have a potential chance to battle for that one. So. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, to so me, the like, end, if you will. To me, that one's like, you know, obviously he's from the state of Alabama. We haven't seen I didn't mention it, Zach, for a reason. We haven't seen a lot of success, <laughs> um, you know, of, of, you know, pulling guys out of there, especially top guys that, that both Alabama and Auburn are going to prioritize, like Jared Smith. And I think he's one of those, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, but but there's a long way to go. And, and if FSU has a season there, they're looking like they could have, um, who knows what they could accomplish on the trail. Touchdown FSU asks, will we ever know the full story behind the Destin Hill saga? Uh, probably not. Well, you guys probably won't. And I don't know if I'll know enough to actually say that I can confidently report it. And yeah. It's 100%. And the full story, you won't, no one's going to ever know the full, full story. But, uh, but there's, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I doubt that, that, that situation is, you know, everyone's going to understand what's going on there. Jasu, Georgia Southern. It's been mentioned previously, and this is coming for you, Dane, okay? It's been mentioned previously in X's and Knowles videos by Kev that one of FSU's primary goals on defense is to be able to defend the run with only six in the box, thus freeing up the DBs more from run responsibility. With what you've seen from practice from the front six and what you believe to be true about its health and availability up front, Dane won't talk about health. Uh, how confident are you that our guys can handle such a task against the likes of LSU and Clemson and to lesser degree the rest of the schedule after September? Yeah, I think that starts, well, obviously it's your front six, but um, but you need a competent unit, which I think FSU has as much as they ever have under Fuller. I think that's one thing that stood out to me about the defense in its entirety throughout fall camp is like how really competent that unit is. Um, but also just having depth and having good players across the board there in that front six. I think you certainly have that. You have the best and deepest defensive line you've had um, in Norvell's tenure. And that's going to be most impactful in that regard. Like having quality defensive tackles who aren't uh, like last season. If you go back to last season, you know, Fabian Lovett's availability really impacted that effort a ton um, because he was kind of the impact guy on the interior there. Um, and then behind him, wasn't a, a really it was a lot of banged up guys to be honest but now you have more talent in that room you have more depth and of course at the start of the season they, they're all healthy um especially relatively of course but um we yeah. said no health talk dane relatively <laughs> healthy yeah <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm messing with you dane's very fragile today after the whole ice cream debacle to to add to this point, uh, thinking back to last year, Josh Farmer kind of got forced in it a little early. I think Louisville game, for example, for him. And him and Fuller and others have talked about it. There were up and downs, and he's a lot better player because of that experience. But, you know, in real time, that experience wasn't super beneficial for all parties. I think the other thing I would add is, while they like to play with six and it keeps them a little more honest and straight up, I think they'd be comfortable with seven up there, whether it's rolling a third linebacker, specifically a DJ Lundy or a safety down a guy like Ashwin Barker's excellent against the run playing in space, snuffing stuff out to a lesser degree. KJ Kirkland, just because he's a little more inexperienced in the college game, I think would also be serviceable in that role. So I think they feel comfortable about what they can do. I think also another thing to keep in mind is they, they've got a lot of versatility in their defensive front from a body type player type, you know, Dennis Briggs comes to mind as a guy that can help them a lot against the run. I think Braden Fisk is a guy who can help them in all elements of the game. So, you know, those guys can allow you to get a little more creative maybe up front if you're trying to go with just six. Yeah, I think we'll probably see, and this is in us speaking on turn from being at practices from like Adam Fuller's talked about, like they have a very eclectic defensive line in terms of skill sets, and they're going to probably go with the most variety of fronts we've ever seen them use. That's because of experience in the system for a lot of guys. It's because of the talent that Dane alluded to. Um, that can help you. That can help you kind of make up for not putting a bunch of numbers in, in the box. Um Finally, Delaware and No Blooded asks, original recipe or extra crispy? Crispy. Cluck, cluck. That's a KFC question, isn't it? I'm not a fan. You know, it's a chicken farmer question, I think, was the... Popeye's for life. <laughs> Popeye's is better than KFC. Unless KFC wants to sponsor us. I don't think they do. By Orsonone. Let's get into it, gentlemen. It's sponsored by... The Turner Turner Turner, Turner Group. In this market, you need a skilled team to help in the buy and sell process. Uh, the market is ever-changing, and having a skill-based agent is important. The Turner, Group, the Turner Group, sorry, Colin, can help anyone in the state of Florida buy or sell real estate. Uh, they can even help facilitate anywhere in the state with their network of agents. Uh, they have the partners that can fac facilitate the entire process from lenders to inspectors, roofers, etc. Uh, don't sit on 
buying or selling uh, a home, finding your dream home, just because it's a process that gives you a little bit of anxiety, uh, the Turner Group can help out. Colin, Amy Turner, FSU graduates, Becky with uh, the Turner Group as well, and have a, uh, an ever-expanding group of, uh, of qualified agents to help you guys out. You can reach out to them at 407-403-8546. Email them at getstartedattheturnergroup.com. Mention on the bench and uh, get to work. Starting off, JDS Knowles 99 says, The Turner Group. Byers to know, Mason Smith's absence gives you more confidence we can establish the run versus LSU. Uh, that's an easy buy for me. Uh, Dane, I'll throw this to you first. Of course, yes. He's that's I mean Mason Smith is I think I think he bought it. Yeah, buy is how they <laughs> Yeah, yes, like, buy. Big buy. Um I mean that's a guy whose health has been in question for sure. I mean that's been reported over at LSU or 24/7 site, but um I mean that is a guy who potentially has like the highest ceiling of anyone on that uh, on that side of the ball for them. And he's a huge hulking presence. He's pretty similar to Daryl Jackson, honestly, in the potential impact that he could have had for FSU this season, except even more so probably. I mean, that's a guy who's been discussed as a top 10 pick. So um, not having to deal with that, that's great by itself, but also just the the hit that that has to LSU's depth on the interior. They have some talented guys for sure. I mean, they have another All-American defensive tackle, Makai Wingo. They that's have nice. Jacobian Glory, Glory, Glory. I don't know. I don't remember how to say it. it, but number 90, number 90. Yeah. Number 92 and 90 for them are two really good defensive tackles too. And they have uh depth behind that. They had a pretty, you know, a transfer guy they like from uh, West Virginia and they got another one, I think Jalen Lee, right. From Florida. Um, but as far as the upside of that, of that defensive line, that definitely drops for LSU with, without having Mason Smith and, that is beneficial in the run game for FSU. And if you can run the ball, then that really helps you out a ton and doing everything else you want to do, obviously. Uh, Mason Smith, uh, I should have said at the top of that, is suspended for the first game by the NCAA for uh, some sort of alleged uh, autograph signing deal in 2021. It is retroactive. Um, So some things for the NCAA are retroactive. Others are more current-based and – I have enjoyed FSU fans saying, you know what? Let's play Daryl Jackson. Let's play Mason Smith. Let's just whatever. Let's full full deck without the NCAA getting involved seems like a fair fight. So good on you, FSU fans, for uh, for keeping that same energy with another team's player. I, I admire that. Uh, Chris, uh, buy or on that? Uh, it's a buy. I mean, Mason Smith's an impactful player. They still have plenty of defensive line talent, and they're a very talented group as a whole on that side of the ball. But Mason Smith's one of those dudes that you kind of – he stands out, you know, you prep for him, extremely talented. Yeah, it, it stinks from his perspective, not FSU's perspective, that this game's been the last two years for him kind of like a sour note. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I'll buy. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. Like, he's probably, you know, first or second most impactful player on LSU's defense behind, um, you know, header behind Harold Perkins at linebacker and and, you know, interior D line is a much more premium position than linebacker. So no, I think, uh, I think that's a huge loss for them. Um, and, and, you know, it's definitely going to help FSU in the run game. Is the, uh, is the dryer going behind you, Zach? I hear buddy. You didn't mention it before the pod. It's been going for like 30 minutes. I just noticed it now. Can you tell the ice cream story with Dane? Oh, it's not even a story. Oh, okay. No, no, no. It's fine. No, I. I It doesn't matter. Just go ahead. We shouldn't have. I I walked away and let Dane do what he wanted to do, and I would find out later I wasn't going to be there. Pressure, man. All right, count count it thirty seconds. Zach, cut me off after thirty seconds because we have a lot to get to. Okay. So there was an ice cream truck after practice. Second time they've had a sort of ice cream frozen uh, dessert type of that's not a detail I need to do in this 30 seconds. Oh boy. Seconds. It was making a lot of music this entire time. And it was really distracting. Loud was this whole thing. Dane loves ice cream. Anytime we go on the road for work, has to stop and get ice cream somewhere at a special unique place. Love it. Walks out at nauseum. Uh, anyways, Dane goes, walks out, was not sure if he wanted to go get ice cream. If he could get ice cream, it was only for the players. Uh, and he finally walked over, really terribly, really kind One. of anxiety riddled. Asked if he can get ice cream. They said no in front of Braden Fisk. It was really sad. Dane didn't get ice cream. All right, next question. 
by Orsonone, Jordan W89, the Turner Group, Colin and Amy Turner, and some lovely woman Christmas names on the regular. <laughs> Mike Norvell, best Brian Kelly schematically for a fourth consecutive year. He has every single year, I think, overachieved for what people think that his current team will do against Brian Kelly's. That, that, yeah. That's the trend at this yes, point. He's only won one of those three, but it is a thing. So history is a barometer that's important. Uh, buy for me. I, I think Mike Norvell's a really, really good coach. Brian Kelly is too. Mike Norvell's great with scheming. I think Mike Norvell, I, I think they're both great coaches. I'm going to be upfront about that. I think Mike Norvell is a little bit more like change it up, creative every time out. Brian Kelly's a little bit more stubborn, do it till it works perfectly. I think is the best way I can put that. You know, two ways to skin a cat. There's a reason Brian Kelly's won a hell of a lot of football games in his career at multiple universities. You know, I think very highly of what Mike Norvell is capable of doing, what he expects to do with this Florida State team this coming year. So I, I guess it's a buy for me, but it's not a, I don't think one's drastically better than the other. I think they just, they go about it very different ways. Zach? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. I mean, um, for the same reasons that Chris listed. I know expert analysis. Dane. Yeah, I guess I'll buy based on based on history. Um, the three previous matchups, I think in 2020 it was Notre Dame kind of ran away with the game late, but they were definitely expected to blow out FSU. But I'm pretty sure, just jogging my memory, I'm pretty sure FSU covered in all those games, and that is certainly some kind of signifier. But, um, no, Mike Norvell is a really creative, strong, offensive-minded coach. Um, and Brian Kelly, it's not exactly as much of his forte, I would say. Um, and, yeah, that's that's something Mike Norvell's – I don't want to say take advantage of in the past because that's not really related to each other. But he's definitely done a good job against Brian Kelly coach teams. Matt, 329. Byerson sponsored by? The Turner Group. Jordan Travis is invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy presentation in December. I'll buy that. I think obviously you can win the ACC, which means I think they're probably at least an 11-win regular season team. And if they win the ACC championship, that makes them a playoff team more than likely. And he's going to be the key reason why, among many talented pieces. But he put up pretty unbelievable stats. And he's a guy that goes into the season with enough hype surrounding him, where if he lives up to that, I think he stays in that that realm. He's not a guy that has to play himself into that discussion. It's probably the best way I can put it. All right. So that can I twist or tweak it a little bit? Because I think that's sure. your oh, that's my yeah, I'm running this show. So I it's guess your show, I, baby. Um all right, let's change it this way. Byers known Jordan Travis will still have a chance to win the Heisman trophy or no, go to the Heisman trophy ceremony if FSU starts the season off two and two. I would have known that. That's like I think like it is essential that they win one of the two big ones early on. I mean, from a, the Heisman, in many ways, has become the best quarterback on the best team, or in that realm of discussion. If FSU is two and two, obviously they still have a chance to play themselves into the ACC championship and compete for the ACC. But I think there might be a certain amount of steam lost in the campaign. Not to be confused with stream. Yeah, okay. I mean, you wait so. You Sinone, right, Chris? Sinone, the revision of the question, yeah. yes. Yeah, so I'll Sinone the revision. I think you're right, Brendan. They have to win at least one of those games. Um, and if not, then, you know, I don't see him because of what Chris said. Like, you you, you got to be on a, a very winning team um, to be, you know, a Heisman guy, um, especially a quarterback. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably most likely. Yeah, I agree with that, I guess, Sinone. Um, I think a, a big part of – a big part of the Heisman race or, or why Jordan is in that conversation right now is, is with the expectation that FSU could be a playoff team. So if that's not in question, then this it's, it's not really realistic anymore. Bearded Null 84 best pod in the business sponsored by the best real estate team in the business. I don't look at this. Just butt kissing is going to take you guys far in life. I promise. Byers Sinone, Jared verse has 10 plus sacks this year. Uh, that, that's a buy for me. He was close last year. I think he's better this year. Fair. Yes. Yeah. All around. Yeah, yeah, it's a buy for me. Healthy. you got to stay healthy, but yeah. By Orsonone, Jordan Travis has 400, oh, geez, 4,500 4, all-purpose yards this year. Mm. Must be last year. Last year he had. I think it was like 34 40. or something. Had, I think he had like 3,400 passing yards, and he had about 400 rushing yards. 
Um, he had 3,200 passing yards and 400 rushing yards. So more so than 36, uh, almost 3,700. You're talking about 900 more yards to, to get there. Also known that. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. Twofold. One, it is a lot. And two, I think that FSU is going to be in a few games, three, four games maybe, where he probably won't get the reps at the end of the game yeah, to just simply say. fill up the coffers of the stats. Yeah. He, they might blow out some teams, and he might not need, need to be playing in the second half. They and should well, blow out a handful of teams. While I'm on record of thinking <laughs> he does man. run more this year than he ran last year, I don't think it's going to be a drastic departure and change back to what he was very early in his career where he was such a scrambler. One way where maybe, like, the the, yeah, the yards won't matter, but we're really tied back to, like, the, the Heisman part of this, uh, passing touchdowns maybe like in the red zone would go up just with the weapons they have. Like maybe that's a way you can kind of like, if you don't get the 4,500 yards, uh, but you still win a lot of games, maybe throw for more touchdowns than last year. I, was I look at it as like a math problem. 4,500 means more than 350 yards per game or a 12 game season. That's just a hell of a lot of yards on a team that has a lot of different people that can do a lot of different things. And it's going to run the ball. They're always going to be a run team. You know, Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins, that's a, that's a piece of the patent for them. So, and tempo rules changing too. Not that FSU does a ton of tempo, but you know, that's yeah. probably an extra or nine or so fewer. Uh, yeah, I think the ACC official said he thought it'd be about six or seven less plays. I don't recall if that was per team or in total in the game. I would argue that if he surpasses forty five hundred passing yards, and that'd be a very bad thing for FSU this year because that means you're in a lot of closer games than you should be probably, and you probably are struggling to run the ball when that's absolutely not something you should be doing. You shouldn't have trouble running the ball this season. Really good point, Dane. Um, to the great B Sun, this is like the best Byers and we ever had. Byers and Ryan Fitzgerald makes 85% or more of his field goal attempts this season. Um, yeah. That would put him, Dane is shaking his head adamantly. Um, 85%, like it's not unheard of, right? Like that's, uh, I know college kickers is a thing, but I think 25 to 30 players made about that many or that. That, uh, that 17 amount. out of 20. That's 85. So you're basically asking, is he going to be a top 30 kicker this year? I think is, is he going to be that? I, I want to believe, but for now I'm still going to have it. But he has been much better in the preseason. I feel like he's con- kicked it consistently far better than we've ever seen him kick it in his career. Yeah, I, I'll just go by history for now is what we have. And like I, I am with you, Chris. It does look much better. The, the results are better too. Those both matter. Um, but 85% would be a pretty giant leap. Um, and beyond anything he's done in his career. So also known it. I think that's a bit much. But if you can get 80, feeling good. Heck, even 75% would be nice. Moving on, because you guys are just nodding your heads. That's fine. Uh, bada bean. Bad, bad bean, sorry. It's Italian. Bada bean. Fire Sinone, brought to you by the Turner Group, a.k.a. the next big thing. This pod will have no issues with audio. But seriously, was there anxiety from you? When the audio wouldn't upload last week? Uh, yeah, I got a little frazzled, and Zach started yelling at me around the same time. And um, yeah, it was it was a good two hours or so there. SWL Seminole Byer Sinone, Miami staff is negatively recruiting harder than most programs in the country. I forgot to put this one in there. Um, uh, also known, I think most staffs negatively recruit. I think, I think we're just hearing about I see we're hearing about going. Miami because FSU is going head to head with Miami for some individuals, but. You know, I, negative recruiting is one of those things. Some schools do it more than others, but everybody does it to some degree. I think Miami's being the most overt with it, uh, at least uh, from our grounds of what we cover. I, I've never seen this. I think it's a victim of tunnel vision for us. Sure. We're seeing it because it involves something we're involved in. We're not seeing other circumstances of other things. So you think Miami's putting out coordinated? I mean, the Big Twelve well, commissioner is taking no, shots wait, wait, wait. at Texas right now. So like, you know, well, I was every, say, everybody's you... having a little fun with somebody else. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. Uh, Zach, uh, I don't remember the phrasing of the question, but uh, Zach Miami, wants to buy. Miami buy. staff is negatively recruiting harder than most programs in the. No, country. I mean, I kind of agree with Chris. I think a lot of uh, a lot of staffs are negatively recruiting. I. Because I don't, I don't know what other staffs are doing. Like I haven't really. We can't heard say that. in the country, so so yeah. we don't have enough context for it. Do they negatively recruit more than Florida State staff? Yes. Is that the answer? Why? Sure. But that's not everyone in the country. So clip it, clip it. You guys, you guys heard it here. <laughs> Buyers, no, you'll take extra pleasure in the beatdown of Miami this year. I just love that. Like 
yeah, like we were talking about this, Brendan, like, you didn't even go to Florida State. You have no vested interest in this school. Meanwhile, the other three guys all do. So like, it's just funny to me that you're like the one taking the stand on Twitter and stuff against the Miami reporters and fans and stuff. I, I John Snow it a lot on, on Twitter. What can I say? It's a, it's a thing that I set myself up to do. It's a phase we all go through and some of us get old and broken and just won't do it anymore. That's where I'm at. Dr. Um, no, <laughs> Dr. Noah Byers note. FSU doesn't have a single skill player with over a thousand yards and either receiving or rushing. I think also known. Sonoma, uh, I, think? I think Trey Benson will eclipse a thousand. I mean, he was on the cusp of doing so last year. I think he's going to be more prominently featured this year. And I think Johnny Wilson's got a phenomenal chance of doing that as well. And Keon Coleman. And hell, Keon Coleman kind of feels like that, but there's only so many passing yards to go around. I think the question is like to try to contextualize how many weapons FSU has, but I do think there's a pecking order of the weapons. So um, also known, like I, I think someone will surpass a thousand yards. Dane, what do you say? Yeah, I, I think it'd be hard to see Trey Benson not do that if he can stay healthy. And then, I mean, receiving wise, I think either Coleman or Wilson certainly will. It's hard to say who, because like, I think Johnny Wilson will have more, receptions than he did a season ago he had 43 last year and i think that could go up significantly and he was pretty close to a thousand last year but he also had a pretty crazy average he was super explosive and um that's pretty hard to to keep pace with more receptions maybe he could do it i don't know he is i think a better player than he was a season ago um but keon coleman i expect to have more receptions probably i think he's just generally more well-rounded and i could see him having more catches and he's i mean super high potential uh, explosive playmaker as well. So I think one of those two guys certainly does potentially both. I, I don't really know how that math works out realistically or how many teams do that around the country, but shoot, 83, both yards, 83 yards per game gets you to a thousand over a 12 game season. I don't know how many teams around the country do that where they have two wide receivers go over a thousand, especially in an offense that isn't just an air raid or isn't like uh you know, it's probably going to run the ball more than more yeah. than throw it. But the question is, is one of three. And like, yes. Uh, is it more likely someone goes 1,200, 800, or two guys go like 1,000 from a receiving perspective? Two guys go 1,000. It's kind of how I see it. I think Keon Coleman could have a few less yards per catch while having more catches, that sort of thing. That's how my brain's working right now. I think the like crazy thing to think about is like, what a look, how different it could look like week to week. I think Alex Atkins talked about that uh, during his, uh, the post-scrimmage pressers you have guys being super involved one week and the next they get taken out because of the way a defense responds to them uh, i think we're all confident that fsu has answers like all across the board on paper you have a good answer for almost everything that hasn't always been the case uh last part of context for it like mike norvell like i don't he's never had probably this many like this depth level of depth with skill players even relatively speaking to where he's been before um but when he has like stars legitimate stars and pull up like almost any preseason preview article or like magazine ESPN recently had the top hundred players and like how many FSU players are on their six. I think that's the most of 19 nationally. And most of those guys are on offense. Like when he has a star, he will get them the ball. Kenny Ganwell had 231 rushing attempts in 2019. He had two guys with 200 plus rushing attempts in 2018. Uh, then like the right, like the, so then they were more pass heavy in previous years. And like, Let's see, like Anthony Miller in 2016 had 95 catches. Anthony Miller had 96 catches in 2017. I think there was a team Mike was involved with at Tulsa way back when, and he wasn't super involved because he was still working his way up the ladder. But offensively, they had, I think, three guys, Eclipse, maybe 800. I, I remember this past summer when I was looking at some of that stat stuff of historically over his career as a coach, but the head coach, coordinator, and prior roles before becoming a coordinator that there was some interesting and that Tulsa had one year with him where they were offensively just racking it up. Uh, it was when uh, I think Gus, yeah, Gus Malzahn was part of that Tulsa staff. So that's one yeah. to look back on. It would be interesting to ask Mike where he thinks this team falls in line with maybe a prior group he'd been involved with from like a potential production standpoint. I think he'll, he'll be really forthcoming with that. Uh, I don't think in a press conference setting, but I think it would be an interesting question, you know, off, off the record. Not like, uh, speaking of, of upcoming, uh, Big Buford Knoll, shout out Buford, been good to FSU lately. Byers to known, the chicken man cometh. Uh, bye. Chicken man cometh here. Bryce 850, Byers to known, the secondary will be 
overall better this year. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'll buy for two reasons. One, I think the guy coaching them has their attention in like a positive manner. I think that group really likes them. And the second reason, and I did this exercise today, we're talking about guys on the roster who maybe, you know, kind of playing for their lives at this point of staying on the roster. And when I looked at the DP group, there's not a single guy that falls in that category for me from a scholarship standpoint. Or is it they all belong? Yeah. I think it speaks to being a pretty talented deep group. And I think you've got solid leadership. You've had a guy, Shaheen Brown has really taken the next step, which has been a pleasure to see. The young guys being talked about a lot and how they kind of fit in is it's true. It's legit. You know, I'm very high on Conrad Hussey, for example, but like Barker Kirkland, Jabril Rawls, even to a lesser degree, uh, Edwin Joseph, they all fit in. Quindarius Jones, who we almost always forget in that group because he's been here since the spring, for example. Um, and then, you know, a guy like Akeem Dent's kind of steady Eddie. Like, you know, I, I don't think he's all world, but I don't think he's going to get beat either. So I, I think in general, yeah, that group's pretty good. Jamie is a – they're not replacing Jamie with an individual, but I think as a group they're better. Ever see Moneyball? They have to replace Jason Giambi, and they use like three or four players to do it. Like that's kind of be what it's like at safety. But the collective of that group with Fentral Cypress, the developments of some of the other guys, uh, Dane, shout out to your boy real quick. You want to say like a word or two on AZ? I mean, AZ Thomas is – I was about to – I don't know. He's really, really good. He's, I mean, transcended, I feel like, in this fall camp. He looks like he looks like a very legit NFL prospect right now, I yeah, think. Gr- Greedy Vance is another guy that's taking a nice step I was gonna, forward. I was going to talk about him. Yeah, I mean, as far as comparing this secondary to last year's secondary, I think the guys at X's and Holes have talked about it a lot, how last year the weakness of the defense at times, like even, or at least relative to stats, like statistics kind of showed FSU's past defense is really an elite unit. And it was from like a talent and performance, uh, I guess on tape perspective, it was definitely not that. Um, and I think you upgraded the talent overall in that room, but also just guys getting older. Um, I mean, you lose Jamie Robinson, of course, and that's a massive loss, but everywhere else you have gotten older or, you know, gotten a Fentral Cypress who can be a plug and play guy really and do it at a high level. Um, I just think generally it's a, it's a really talented room. I mean, it, definitely this fall camp, I think the corner back room in general has exceeded my expectations, like with the ascension of a guy like AZ Thomas, but also like you say, Chris with greedy Vance, I mean that, that slot corner spot, which is where greedy Vance has worked often at. He worked mostly there last year. Um, that's a position that was a weakness for FSU last year. It costed them mightily against Florida. I mean, they really exploited that in other games too. Um, and having a guy like Greedy Vance, who we've seen be really, really solid in that spot, um, make plays too. Like that's that's nice. And then other guys too, like uh, Edwin Joseph has been talked about as a guy that's working there who's could totally be ready to play at this at some point in the season. Yeah, Edwin looks good too. Yeah, they got it all right. They got numbers. They have talent. They have a nice – Pat Sertan talked about it today, like a nice smattering of like veterans, a few guys who are kind of like like Shaheen Brown, like about to take that next step potentially, and then a lot of promising underclassmen. Like, I think roster composition built out-wise. A big measuring stick for that group as a whole is going to be takeaways. And it's an area where they struggled to produce last year, and it's been a point of focus has since the end of last season. So that, that will be a nice measuring stick, you know. You can always measure yards against and things of that sort, but how often do they take the ball away and get it back to the offense? All right, we have about 17 buyers and owns left. We're at 43 minutes. We want to get this done under an hour. Uh, so some of these will end up quick, quicker. We'll have to lean into a few, but rapid fire is going to be the name of the game here, gentlemen. All right. Uh, Start off with Agent Coke. By, I said it right. Byers Sinone, FSU enters the game against LSU far healthier in general than they were. Last season entering the game, we won't talk about specific injuries, but Chris, that's a buy, right? I don't remember the health of going into last year's game, that but I expect that to be very was healthy, yes. devastating for them. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. It was, I a, blood, that. Yes. It was a bloodbath. And, and Mike has talked about it. They said that we got out of this one much healthier. So, uh, in general, buy. Right. Agent Coke also asked Byers to know FSU as a football program has not been this in sync in all aspects coaches, administration, booster support, et cetera. Since the Bobby Bowden era, I want to ask Chris that, but first, Zach, I want to keep you engaged before you start yawning. It's been a minute since your time being associated with Florida State or being a fan. Does this feel like the most well-oiled, even just from like a recruiting and 
um, infrastructure standpoint? I mean, from my time being around Florida State and, and, you know, knowing the inner workings of it, absolutely. I mean, I started in the first year of Willie Taggart's tenure. So, um, you know, not a great comparison, but I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, you know, I'm reading the practice reports, you know, seeing, you know, what Michael Alford's doing as, as the athletic director, um, the rest, you know, I mean, just the entire athletic department and, and how in unison they are with the president of the school, you know, every, every other power at B um, in Tallahassee, I, I think it's, it's remarkable um, how much of a turnaround, turnaround there has been in that department. And I think that's an absolute buy. All right, so that's the last few years. Chris, you you have the longevity here, so let's take it. Let's go deep back to the Bobby Bowden days when you were actually around. So It's a bit of a boat for me. Uh, from a people standpoint, yes. Currently, yes, without a doubt. From the sense of the president to the AD, head of boosters, coach, all of those people, the people that work within FSU's football department that work with those folks I just mentioned, yes, it's as good as it's been that I can ever remember, probably at least dating back to the Dave Hart days. Uh from a other standpoint, though, I would argue that Jimbo's early years pushed for a lot of modernization of the football program, and there was an emphasis from within school and the powers that be to allow that to happen. Indoor facility being built, just you know, kind of taking the program from the way Coach Bowden ran it to the way Coach Fisher wanted to run it, which was something that needed to happen in the sense of football had evolved a great deal from the sense of everything that goes on day in, day out, and Jimbo pushed for a lot of that. So there was a great deal of that in the early years, and it's what set up 2013 ultimately for FSU in addition to just high level recruiting. So there's a little bit of that, but from a people standpoint, yes, I would argue today is as harmonious as it's ever been. DT Knoll is buyer Sinone. Will there be a chicken dance after a sack this year? Uh, Dane, what do we got? Oh, that's a good idea. It's clever. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hey, Jared versus a pretty animated guy. So that's Hopefully a he's going to get a lot of them. If they're, all getting paid, if they're all getting paid by the chicken man, I mean, the chicken man, <laughs> the chicken man gets his way. So Plenty of incentives. He, free free advertising, bro. really. Listen, guys, the, there's, uh, I'm going to do something later on. Someone better not steal this idea of a lot of parallels, both pretty, like, obvious and then some weird, like, just uh, fortuitous kind of um, universe things syncing up between 2013 and 2023. 2023 got the chicken man 2013 the infamous uh hangman game on the sideline terrence brooks we talked about in the podcast the word there chicken just saying the word was chicken gotta clip that and put in like a, a short on the channel with that like like stranger things background music or something make it really convincing all right get at it dane uh colton 0917 <laughs> sponsored by the turner group the turner group the turner group Jordan Travis rushes for less than 35 yards versus LSU fewer. Um, Byer Sinone. I think uh, listen, they didn't they didn't always run Jordan Travis last year in, in some games, and some of that was because teams were taking it away. Uh, others, I think, was the, an attempt to be conservative with his legs and use it at the right time. You're not gonna run him in the first game of the season against against LSU with a couple of games that you can maybe take off running the ball a ton the next two weeks. I don't know when you're gonna do it. So uh I am going to uh, Sonone, I think he'll rush for more than 35 yards against LSU. You bust out whatever you can, playbook wise and uh, skill set wise. Uh, you ran for 31 last year. Um, I'm going to buy, I think, it takes one, you know, run of 20 plus, which I think he did have last year, if I recall correctly, had one of 20 plus. It puts in that territory. Again, I don't think they're going to run him to death, but they know what they got with Jordan with his legs. And you you're playing a really aggressive him. defense. I expect more than 35. Sonone. 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 I'm going to buy. Wow, Zach, get out of here. Chair Force Null, buyer Sonone. <laughs> the room has only three scholarship QBs next season. Uh, buy. Only three? I think it'll be Luke Cromanhawk, obviously. I think it'll be Brock Glenn. I think it'll be Tate Rodemaker. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For some reason, yeah. For some reason, I still had Jordan Travis in my mind. I'm like, you're saying Tate's going too, but no. Zach out here being greedy. I think there's more One likely more to be even less. No. Like, yeah, you would take a transfer, I guess. I'm thinking. Going to season with when you enter this, I don't think you enter the season. I'm considering the ascension of Brock Glenn. Well, we are all. Uh, save it. Save it because it's coming up it, literally right now. No fan 1999. Byerson known. Dane. Glenn Brock is your QB1. 
Glenn Brock. Probably <laughs> That's his name. Glenn Brock is. He's on the town, people, but you know him as Brock Glenn. Irsonone. Glenn, comma, Brock. Brock Glenn is your quarterback one next season. I realized what I did as I was doing it. Yeah. Um, I Brock. think I'll be in the minority here. I think I should be, but bye. Yes. You think you're going to be in the minority with that? I feel like I should be. Are you not standing Probably. around at practice with Chris Knight <laughs> gushing every single day? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I think he's a really good – I think he's actually, like – I think by the end of this year, he could he could be, like, an above-average ACC quarterback. You know, what's happening? He, what's, hap- what's happening here is Dane's trying to, like, weasel his way into being the head, like, president of the Brock Glenn. Oh, you guys aren't really that big on him, like – yeah, I'm probably who says that this is going to be a thing. Um, yeah. Also, that Jordan Travis guy is probably going to be pretty good this year. I don't know. <laughs> I I think I would buy it. Uh, I'm extremely high on Glenn. I think Glenn's got a certain moxie to him that you have to have at the position. It's also got a high-level arm, but so does Tate. Tate's got probably the best arm on the entire team, I would argue. I just think uh, all things being kind of equal – Really good spring from Brooklyn. I I feel like he can push for it and take it, yes. But I'm not going to discount Tate's ability to do it either. I think it's more likely hmm. – well, I, I do think this. I think it's more likely that FSU would bring in a transfer quarterback to start than it would be a quarterback on this roster who's not Glenn Brock Brooklyn. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think, like in my mind, when we're talking about Glenn being quarterback one potentially next year, in my mind, the, the biggest competition of that is absolutely a transfer and coming oh, no. transfer because FSU feels the general roster talent is still in a really good place to compete uh, for an ACC championship, at least. And, um, and you'd and be, able, you, be able to have your pick of the litter, probably, like if you were yeah. going in the quarterback market and transfers, right? Yeah, I would imagine a, a high profile transfer. I think Florida State with the way Mike Norvell's developed quarterbacks, Tony Tokars, I think that's a pretty attractive destination for plenty of reasons. And, and if they want to go invest and do that, that would be doable, feasible. <laughs> oh my God, Dave, just end the sentence. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, no, kidding, go. <laughs> uh, that's not to like, I'm not trying to mean what we've seen from Tate Rodemaker. I think he's been very solid this this preseason, I would have confidence in him to like go start a game this season. Like he win a game with Tate. Like I'm, I've shifted from where I was a year ago at this time. Like we've got data points and, and he's been very solid. Um, I think we all have seen Brock Glenn ascend so very quickly and picking up the offense and throwing with anticipation and uh, having a, a good arm, not an elite one. He, he, he has a chance to be like the power five, version of Brady White, like managing an offense at a really high level, uh, maybe not an elite arm, but a good one. Uh, it's, but, it's better than Brady White. So like, that's not like, it's already better. It's a lot better than Brady he White. He throws people up and he's comfortable. They put a ton on his plate. I mean, he basically had to do what veteran guys in that room were doing in the spring. He never felt like he was swimming. And the spring to fall transition for him has been phenomenal. He will probably be better than Brady White, and he's not better than the guy who threw for nine thousand passing yards in his college career right now. All right. Okay, Darren Williamson is. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen Brady. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brady has a little. Yeah. He's not better right now. Anyway, go ahead. Next question. No night. Byerson owns Chick Fil A is not the king of the chicken sandwich. A lot of chicken questions. This is a Zach question. Why? <laughs> just trying to keep you engaged, buddy. Um, no, Sinone, it definitely is. I mean, I feel yeah. like Chick Fil A is synonymous with chicken because, well, chicks in it. Uh, it depends. If you want a little Popeyes, a little spice in your life, there's pretty good. Um, I saw a Chick Fil A chicken sandwich that's got some pimento cheese on it now. That's apparently that's brand new. Up. Yeah, I gotta try good. that. You gotta get All right, we're at fifty-three and a half minutes. Feels like the thing you should eat at Augusta. GNV Noel. Byers known. We see Tate, Brock, and AJ all designated as co-QB2 this year. No depth chart talk. Don't get us in trouble. Sunday goal. Byers known. At least two true for true freshmen on the two deep week one depth chart. No depth chart talk. Don't get us in trouble. Uh, let's see. That's the Swag Father. Byers known. Sponsored by the Turner, the Turner Group. 
Mason Smith's absence is mentioned more than Jabril Peppers. If you were to take a shot of delicious Chattanooga oh. whiskey, did the sponsor drop? For every time they mention it, what is your prediction for how many shots we'd end up taking? Will our livers survive? Um, also, no, not. I don't know if anybody can ever be exceeded as much as Jabril Pe- Peppers was not with Michigan. But you would be drunk still. You oh, would yeah. die. Yeah, you would yeah. die with the Peppers. Thing. I mean, it's got to get at least probably if they have say twelve defensive series, at least eight mentions easily. And then how many Daryl Jacksons are sprinkled in there? Like three? A handful, yeah. Yeah. He didn't get enough hype. Daryl Jackson didn't. He would he would have been underrated going into this year. That yeah, but everybody loves a good story about the NCAA being sons of guns. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That's true. Uh Semicol. By or Sinone, sponsored by Turner, Turner Group. Turner Group. Interesting. Uh, thought process. A majority of teams in the ACC would trade their starting five skill position players for running back Trayshawn Ward. Wide receiver Micah Pittman, Malik McLean, and Ontario Wilson, and tight end Cam McDonald. No. I think maybe like the bottom rung would, right? Like four. maybe like four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The kid at Duke's a phenomenal receiver, so I don't think they're parting with him Calhoun. necessarily. Yeah, Calhoun, thank you. Yeah, it, not that many, but yeah, I think it's on par with a lot of them. I guess it's probably a good way to put it. I, I don't even know. Like Trayshawn Ward would be a commodity probably for a lot of yeah. those, a lot of teams. Yeah. The wide receiver group's pretty sub. I mean, that's a below average power five group. Cam McDonald is probably an average power five tight end, receiving tight end. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, the point being is like those are all guys. I think the the larger point that the, the user's trying to make there is like FSU's upgraded on paper from every single one of those um, guys who would probably be. Somewhat uh, usable for a lot of other uh, programs. Uh, Juchi Main Atkins' opinion is that his O-line room has eight starter quality players, leads to FSU running more jumbo slash extra lineman sets, um, particularly in goal line short yard situations. So, again, not talking about school. We haven't seen any of this for me to say, like, I wouldn't be telling on it, tattling tailing or anything like that, tattletailing. I don't know if that's how it'll be used. My always interpretation when we've talked about it is like a legitimate rotation. So like maybe like a Keandre Jones inside the goal line or short yardage, right? Or something like that. Or uh, if you want to give Rob Scott a breather, you rotate in. So, something like that I always thought was more realistic than uh, they're going to use like seven offensive linemen at once. Yeah. Like I, right. Would a guy like Biscuit, for example, in their affinity for two tight end sets, you know, Biscuit is built like a lineman. He is 280. He's a large human, as somebody said today after interviewing him. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't expect them to go overly jumbo. I don't feel like it's something that is it in the cards. Sure. I'm sure it'll practice it at some point, maybe even a scrimmage that's close to us, but I don't expect it to be like a common place thing to see. Uh, Adelie, Adelie, Canada, Byers known sponsored by the boutique reality firm. The Turner group. Got oh. it. They are a boutique agency. FSU will land. All right, Zach, wake up. FSU will land another recruit in Tribe 24 by the end of the LSU game Labor Day weekend. So you got basically a week and change. FSU lands a commit in the next week or so. Bye. Hmm? Bye. Bye. All right. Say it with your chest. Bye. <laughs> so are they okay, saying two from this moment or one? What? Is that question asking if they get two between now and the LSU game ending or one? They're asking another recruit between now and the end of the LSU yeah, game. So uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah. I, I would. Yeah. Patterson's probably like, we're not going to do crystal balls for it. Zach reported earlier in the week that he felt like FSU was in a good spot. I think FSU is still in a good spot. Uh, Miami's still kicking and pushing there. I think Auburn and Michigan want them still. So we'll yeah. see. It's a South Florida recruitment. Uh, anything else add to that, Zach? No, I mean, we'll we'll have more coverage on it over the next 24, 48 hours on the site. All right. A couple more coming up here. We're almost done, guys. Uh, Playmaker 005, Byers Sinone, sponsored by? The Turner Group. Robert Scott, Jeremiah Byers, Josh Farmer, Patrick Payton, Daryl Jackson are all on the roster in 2024. It's like five different. Yeah, say it again. No, also known that. Also known that. The odds of one of them not being there is very high. The odds of, like, Three of them not being there, I feel is fairly high. Well, Byers, unless he goes pro after this year, will be at Florida State's already transferred. Rob Scott, I guess, could be, I mean, he, he could leave. He loves Alex Atkins, though. He'd have to be either going pro or graduate transfer, say he doesn't play as much as he wants this year. 
Josh Farmer, Patrick Payton, Daryl Jackson, all at some oh point God. or another had interest to, to possibly leave this offseason. So if you were to take all of these guys staying, I think the odds of that would be like plus 450. Like that's pretty, you know, it's unlikely. I'm not taking that bet. So no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two O-linemen for me alone are like the ones that make me feel comfortable that, yeah, one of them's, you know, I'm going to start. Gonna go uh, it's more the defensive line trio that makes me like, uh, I don't know about that one. Um, I mean, hell, Josh that, Farmer called it a money year. <laughs> he did. Yeah, I think that's probably his intention if he does as well as he wants to. No nation, nation with one instead of I and nation on. Colin and Amy, <laughs> people are funny. Colin and Amy Becky of the Turner Group. Byers Sinone, we're going to the playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, I want to make my prediction on another, uh, on Sunday's episode at 8 p.m., but I'm feeling pretty good about this team right now. I gave you a pretty big hint earlier in the show when we talked about 11 and 1 ACC championship. Jeremiah Smith question. Stay tuned though for uh, for Sunday. Doctor Wadu, I guess I don't know, man. Byers Sinone, 12 and 0 undefeated is more likely than 8 and 4. Undefeated is hella hard. Like it just doesn't happen a whole lot in college football. I know. Um, like. But I don't. I think eight. I guess percentage wise, do we lose Brendan? This computer literally cut him off. <laughs> I can hear you guys, and that's all. Oh, that okay, cool. That's all that matters. Uh, I know. It's, I would it's say twelve and zero is more likely than eight and four, but I don't think either is likely. I think you know nine and three to eleven and one is more the sweet spots. Ten and two being kind of the the biggest line. Okay, Zach's yawning. We're almost done. Legitimately, the last question. No blood, 1914, Byer Sinone. If FSU has the season we think and high school recruiting continues to trend upwards, do you believe FSU wins a national championship within the next four years? So season we think, FSU 10 to 11 regular season wins. Recruiting momentum that comes with it. Development, development, Mike Marvell develops with uh, elite high school talent, finally. In four years, bye. I think FSU would be giving itself a chance to compete for a national championship as well as maybe anyone in the country outside of like two or three other programs. Bye. Yeah, Go ahead, I, would, Zach. I, would, I would buy as well. I mean, I think the way it's setting up, um, we've talked about forever, like they need that proof of concept on the field. They finally did it. And we've kind of already seen the results of that so far throughout the 2024 recruiting cycle. You know, I didn't think that what they're doing on this, this cycle was even possible after last season. And they've overachieved. You didn't think it was June chicken little. One more chicken. They, they've overachieved. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't know why you're reiterate, reiterating exactly what I said. But um, anyway, yeah. So they're overachieving based on my expectation as my expectations and I think a lot of other people's expectations, even after such a great 2022 season, if they continue that success, bring in the class that they currently have committed, plus, you know, some of the other guys that they're still targeting, I think, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. I think they're going to be competing, um, you know, for, for Natty's coming up. Yeah. Just to add on to that. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think FSU will ever be, well, you know, like preseason number one type deal. I don't think that's exactly, oh, that's not exactly the question. But like, if you get Luke Cromenhawk, Cromenhawk, what, what, Brendan? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Was that Zach wrote a story while we were doing the podcast? Oh, he's a piece, so you know, Zach's an animal. Yeah, anyway, talking about team stuff. I had nothing to. I just didn't know that you did it. <laughs> I, I didn't Zach's... know you did it. It was impressive. Zach's Thank elite you. at his job, but. Um, I mean, if Luke Cromenhawk comes in and hits and he stays around a few years, you know, he's kind of at his ceiling and you're doing as well elsewhere as it kind of looks like FSU has a decent chance of doing, then yeah, yeah, they should be absolutely be in that conversation. Should be so the expectation. The question was actually win, right? Not conversation, not. Uh, yeah, no I'm idea. talking about an odds game. They're going to give themselves a really good. Game. I'm going to sell on the win part just because no. it's insanely difficult to do. Yeah. Another reason is I obviously expect them to take a slight step back after this coming season, simply because they lose so many folks, including a quarterback who's become the central figure of the program. I don't think they're going to take a mass massive step back. I think they're recruiting at a high enough level and developing players at a high enough level that they're going to be ultra competitive. Um, 
but it's real, real tough to get there. And plus, with the extended playoff picture coming up here, I just think it makes the odds of winning it even lower for teams. You know, the the possibility of getting knocked off, depending on how that's formatted exactly, I think increases. So I'll, I'll go with Sinone, but do I think they're in the conversation? It gives you more Yeah, out. as far as wins and losses in the regular season, yes, it mm-hmm. does, no doubt. Um, it also allows you to be the team that doesn't start great, but finishes yeah. real hot, best team down the stretch. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to Sinone it, but am, are they in the conversation? And do I think they're going to stay there? Yeah, I do. This was a fun, informative podcast and got through a lot. Had some fun along the way uh, in an hour and five minutes. So some more had fun more than others. All right. For Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, Dane Draper, I am Brendan Sohn of Knowles 24-7. Thank you for listening to On the Bench. We appreciate all your uh, patronage and enthusiasm. Tons of questions. We got through as many as we could in a reasonable amount of time. Our sponsors, thank you as well. Guys, we are a few days away from it being a week away. So football season is almost here. All right. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Bye. Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.